0: welcome to the
1: next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Uh, we're going to go ahead and just begin to get right into the message, into the Word today. Uh, again, I just can't tell you how excited I am to be here, to be standing up here. This is uh, probably the fourth stage I think I've ever stood on uh, for our church, but I'm excited to see all of your smiling faces. We've got a lot of new people here today, uh, a lot of familiar faces. Um, I believe that today represents the beginning of a new chapter in the life of our church. I put that on Facebook. If any of you guys follow our church page or even my own page, I just believe that today is the beginning of something new, a new chapter in the life of our church. And uh, I think that there are so many things that God wants to do through us and in us uh, in the years to come. Moving And moving into this building, it really is just the first step to that. And so I've titled the message for this morning, The Opportunity Before Us, because I believe that's exactly what we're facing right now. I believe that God has put a series of opportunities right in front of us as a church that we can seize together to impact our city and world in ways that will last throughout eternity. And I believe that God is inviting each one of us today to join him in his plan for our church, our city, and the entire world. And so we're going to talk about what those opportunities look like a little bit more specifically in a few minutes. But first what I wanted to do is I wanted to look at two passages of Scripture Um, that deal with opportunity, and I think that they're going to set the table for our conversation today. So if you have a Bible, um, or if you'd like to, on the screen, turn to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, Uh, we're going to begin with a story about a man named Abram. Many of you have probably heard of Abraham. Uh, At this point in the story, he had not yet become Abraham. God hadn't changed his name. Uh, Abram and his nephew, Lot, were family members, and they were uh, herdsmen, like farmers. They, They were nomadic, a nomadic tribe of family that God had spoken to Abram and said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you, and all the people on earth are going to be blessed through you. And so... By the time we get to Genesis chapter 13, uh, Abram had been blessed already, and Lot had too. And just before the verse we're about to read, we find out that it says that God had blessed both of them so much that they had grown so much that they had become so wealthy that they couldn't occupy the same amount of land anymore, that they had so many sheep and so many goats and, and animals and so many family members that, that they just couldn't, the land itself couldn't support them, so they had to split up. And so right now in verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 14 is where we're gonna begin. Uh, It says, after Lot had separated from him, so they separated, not not in anger, but because they just made a decision they were going to live apart so they could sustain their families. The Lord said to Abram, look from the place where you are. Look north and south and east and west, for I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. There's the promise, right? This is the opportunity that has begun to be presented right before Abram. He says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could be counted. Get up and walk around the land through its length and its width, for I will give it to you. And this is important right here in verse 18. So Abram did not just sit down. Abram didn't just go, all right, cool. No. It says, so Abram moved his tent and went to live near the oaks of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. So here we have this dude, Abram, and he was hearing about an opportunity from God. God spoke to him. He told him exactly what was going to happen. He said, I've got this promise for you. I have something for you, for your family, for your generations. I have an opportunity ahead of you is what he was saying here, a promise for the future for him and his family and for millions to come, and that includes us today today. God speaks to him, God gives him a promise, but also tells him that he has a responsibility to play. He didn't just say, I have this, and just sit back and watch me do it. He says, he tells him, get up and walk through the land. He says, I want you to see it. Look north, look south, east, and west, and walk all of the extent of the land, he says. He has a part to play. So Abram had to step into the opportunity. He had to participate. So this next passage that we're going to read is found in Luke chapter 9. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 9. And it says, we're going to see that Jesus talk about how we should approach opportunities. In fact, right before this verse we're going to read, he was inviting individuals to follow and to learn from him. So just before the passage we're about to read, Jesus uh, has three encounters with individuals, and he gives each one of them an opportunity to follow him he sees one, one guy who, uh, he says, hey, come and follow me. And the, the guy says to him, well, first let me go home and bury my father because his father just passed away. And then another individual, Jesus says, come and follow me. And another one says, let me go take care and say goodbye to my mom and dad. And then there was a third situation, and then we pick up right here. So Jesus had just invited people to follow him, to learn from him. And then we see right here in Luke chapter 9, I... So what we're going to see right now is that these individuals kept finding excuses and reasons not to take him up on it. And here's what Jesus replied to them when they turned down the opportunity. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, from the message translation, Jesus said, No procrastination, no backwards looks, you can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow, seize the day. Seize the day. So both of the passages that we just read, the one with Abram in Genesis and the one with Jesus responding to individuals that were invited into something who made excuses. They said, I would love to follow you, but I have to do this first. Both of these deal with illustrations and the point of, of opportunities about the importance, though, of participating and stepping into the opportunities that are presented to us by God. And Jesus flat out says, seize the opportunity, seize the day. That implies active participation. It implies energy. It implies drive. The word seize implies grabbing something intentionally, like going after it, right? Taking it by the bull by the horns, as they say. So what is the opportunity before us as a church? What is it that God is is speaking to us? What are we called to, to grab, to seize, to take energy for? What is it that God has put in front of us and calling us as a church to reach out and grab or to take hold of or to seize in our grasp? So I believe as I was praying this week and all year long, I mean, some of this hopefully will not be a, uh, a huge surprise to you. We've been talking about this throughout the year. But some of the opportunities that I felt like the Lord has given us that are before us right now. Number one is I believe that the opportunity before us is that we have the opportunity now to impact six East End neighborhoods with the gospel. And I'm actually going to change this because I was driving by this morning and make it seven because I forgot Morningside, which is literally tucked between Lawrenceville and Highland Park on the way to the donut shop where I got the donuts from. I forgot about it. So seven East End neighborhoods that we are right in the center of right now. As I was driving from Lawrenceville to come here, I passed two of them. And then as I was going to get the donuts, I passed three others. And then as I went to pick up our friend Gail from the bus stop, I headed into East Liberty. We have seven neighborhoods that are immediately surrounding this location right now that God has opened the door for us to reach and I remember at the beginning of this year uh, at, our, at our sacred assembly and also on our anniversary service in March... I remember saying to our church and talking to our friends and our leadership and, and our life groups about how God has called us. He's expanded the vision of our church to not just be including Lawrenceville, but to include Lawrenceville and the East End, that God wanted our eyes to be open, that there are so many more people he wants us to reach in this city. And that includes neighborhoods like Lawrenceville and Bloomfield and Garfield and Stanton Heights and East Liberty and Highland Park and Morningside and Bloomfield and Shadyside and Squirrel Hill and so many others that I can't even... To think of right now. And so as I think about the opportunity that is before us, one of them is that we are strategically located. The Lord has opened the door. And I want you to know, we've been praying all, all, all year long. Here we are now in the 10th month of our year, and since the beginning of this year, our leadership team and our church have been praying for the right door to open for us. And we have knocked on so many doors all over the city, asking God to open the door for the right place. We knew that it was time to leave Row House. And then we said, God, where would you have us go? And we knocked and we knocked and we knocked and we asked and we searched and we turned over rocks. And then when we finally stepped back and we said, God, we don't know what you want to do, the Lord opened the door to the Neighborhood Academy. And look where we are, right in the middle of these incredible neighborhoods in the city that God has called us to reach. I believe that we have an opportunity in front of us right now to reach more people than ever. We have an opportunity to be present in these neighborhoods, we have an opportunity to serve these neighborhoods. We have an opportunity to influence and to challenge the assumptions about God in this neighborhood. There are a lot of people who live in these communities who think about God or think about church or Christianity in a way that is not accurate. People who are frustrated by church, frustrated by Christianity, frustrated with Christians. And we have a unique opportunity now to reach these neighborhoods and to show them the real Jesus, the Jesus that loves them, the Jesus that died on a cross for them. We have such an opportunity here, an opportunity to bring life where there is death and there is darkness. So the first opportunity, I believe, is to impact the East End neighborhoods with the gospel. The second opportunity, I believe, that is before us is to be a lighthouse for the lost and the searching in the East End. I believe that God has called us to provide a safe place, like a refuge for people to meet God. We want people who are hurting, people who are broken, people who are tired, people who are burned out on religion, People who are searching from other nations who come and say, I don't know what I'm looking for. For people who have just recently gone through tragedy. I would love our church to be a hospital, a refuge for the sick, for the broken, for the hurting. A lighthouse, a beacon. I believe that we have an opportunity to be the kind of a church where people, where we can meet people where they're at. That's who we need to be. That when people come in here, I remember in the first days of our church, I remember at Arsenal. And I love it because we do live this. I remember a gentleman came in and I had never seen him before. And I went over to the donut station. That's probably where most people grow. They gravitate right to the donuts, which I mean I understand. Why wouldn't you? And so he's sitting there and I said, Hi, I'm I'm Jared, nice to meet you. And uh, and and I, he introduced himself and I said, Uh, I, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, would you like a donut? And he was just kind of hanging there and he says, I'm Muslim. And I said, Okay, well, would you like a donut? I mean. <laughs> You know, and and it's a funny story. He, he came into the service and participated a little bit, and uh, we didn't see him again. But you know what I loved about it was that is that someone who came in in a different walk of life, from a different place, or a different belief system, walks in the doors, and everybody in our church understands that we're not there to judge them. We're there to welcome them. It's not our job to tell people, um, what they're doing right and wrong, we're going to let God's word speak for that. We're going to preach the truth. We're going to speak what God says in his word. But I can't make, and you can't make anybody be anything that they don't want to be. You know what I'm saying? Like how many times have your parents told you to do something and you said no, right? Or if you're a parent, you told your kids that, right? Okay. But when we love people, when we welcome people, and they consistently come back, and they don't even know why they're coming back, they keep coming because they just found something here they can't get anywhere else, the Holy Spirit will speak to them. The Holy Spirit will change them. We used to have an atheist in our church. I don't know if you knew that. We had an atheist in our church who found Jesus because they just kept coming and they kept finding the relationships. As soon as we found out they were an atheist, I didn't say to them, well, you're not welcome here. Why are you here? Because you're an atheist. No, we welcomed them. We met people where they were at. We have an opportunity to be a lighthouse for the lost and searching in the East End. We need to give people a space to grow. We need to invite them into our lives. I want you to invite your friends. I want you to invite your friends who don't know Jesus. I want you to invite your friends who are antagonistic of Jesus. I want you to bring them here because I bet that we will love them more than they hate our church. I believe that. I believe that Jesus will show up in our hands, and our feet, in our donuts, in our coffee. I believe that Jesus is going to show up when they serve alongside of us in the streets. I believe that. So if we meet people where they are at, God will do the rest. I believe, I want want the East End to know that Encounter Church is full of people who will love them. And I want to create a place where people can encounter God in real life. And so we have an opportunity before us to be a lighthouse for the lost and the searching in the East End. And the last opportunity, among so many others that we could have, but I had to think of a few. The first one was to impact the East End neighborhoods with the gospel. The second was to be a lighthouse for the lost and the searching in the East End. And also, finally, I believe we have an opportunity before us to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're going to participate in the mission of seeking and saving the lost. That's, what, that's the last thing that Jesus told his, his disciples before he ascended to heaven. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. In other words, I want you to share with the rest of the world what I have given you. I have healed you from your brokenness. I have given you forgiveness. I've shown you grace and mercy. And now there are people who are living in the darkness. There are people who are, who are broken, who are hurting, who are lost, who are confused, who are searching, who are destroying themselves and others around them and relationships. And all of these things are happening. And if we would bring them the name of Jesus Christ and give them the saving grace, then they can experience what we had. And that's, what, that's the plan that God has had all along. We have the greatest gift that we could ever give to anyone in the world. We have the opportunity to partner with God in sharing that gift around the world. And we want to seize that opportunity to live out the adventure of sharing the gospel. And there are a variety of avenues to do that. We have big outreach events every year. We have our big hunts and our back-to-school bash that we do every year. And uh, at our big hunt this past year it was an Easter egg hunt where we gave out 10,000 eggs and candy. But we also preached the gospel that day. In the summer, we had our back-to-school bash, and we uh, we gave out over 300 backpacks. We partnered with other churches and in the community and shared the love of Jesus in practical ways by providing for families in need and helping them get ready for the school year. But there's also other ways that we can do it. We can do it through ongoing community serving. And I believe that not only are we now strategically put in the middle of these neighborhoods, there are now opportunities for us to begin serving monthly, regularly, ongoing individuals and small groups serving in each of these neighborhoods in levels on regular basis so we can build relationships with people, serve our communities, serve our neighborhoods. We can bring the name of Jesus with our street outreach that we mentioned uh, during our announcements on uh, Saturday the 14th. We're going to be literally going to an area and meeting with students in the Pitt campus area and just praying for them and sharing the name of Jesus and we can also do short-term global missions. And so, there are a lot of ways to bring the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth, both locally and globally. And we want to tell you about one specific opportunity we're taking next summer. But first, let's watch a quick video. Jesus, Jesus likes. Likes that for in this city hands are coming up everywhere hundreds come to jesus, jesus a deaf ear open up oh blind eye eyes. see saw in particular two women that were both deaf in their ears. One had been deaf uh, her whole life and another deaf for 18 years and tonight Jesus opened their ears.
0: I saw a lady who was in a wheelchair. I brought her up and she hadn't been able to walk and so I I, I prayed for her and I asked her, I said, do you want to be healed and do you believe that Jesus can heal you? We prayed for her and um, she got up and before even walking she started to dance.
1: So, Uh, as we were talking about the opportunities before us today of of impacting our community, of being a lighthouse for the searching and the confused and the broken, and also taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, we thought it was fitting to tell you about a specific opportunity that we're taking. So as we mentioned during our announcement section, we're sending a team to Greece on Tuesday. This past summer, we sent a small team to Madagascar with with SOS Adventure to participate in these festivals and to preach the gospel. And we wanted to uh, bring up Dylan, our our missions coordinator, Dylan Whitty, is our missions coordinator here at Encounter. And Dylan's going to tell us real quickly about an opportunity next summer. So where are we going next summer with SOS?
0: We are there we go. We are going to Malawi, which is a country in Africa which you probably have never heard of. That's okay. Uh, so I've heard of Malawi. Yeah, well, of course you. But yeah, we are going in June. So basically what SOS is, just a little quick description before I go on about it, is that we – have large-scale festivals in unreached nations. Unreached nations are considered nations that have not heard the gospel or not enough Christians to evangelize themselves. And we uh, go and set up a large-scale festival. But before the festival, we do—we are there for about nine days. We do outreaches in the streets where we do pretty much what they do in the big scheme of the festival. We do on the ground, and that's where, where the missionaries come in. We bring about 300, 400 missionaries to the field. It's pretty crazy. And basically, who or these people are just everyday people like you and me. Uh, you saw a girl in there talking about she was pulling a people out of a wheelchair. Uh, that actually was not evangelist or a pastor or anybody special. That was just a regular that's girl. That's Gretchen. Yeah, that's Gretchen, her. if you know her. But you probably don't know her, but that's okay. But yeah, that's just an everyday girl like me or you pulling someone out of a wheelchair. So basically, really, what I want to encourage you guys to do is to is to put this in your heart, because some of you have maybe seen a video like that before. Maybe you have never seen anything like that before, or you have never seen anybody healed or, or things like that. I know that that can be hard to, like, comprehend. But but basically, God has called us to an amazing, great commission, and I love what's happening here at Encounter Church, where we are reaching people in our, in our in our city. We are reaching, you know, people like crazy. We are preaching the gospel, and right now, we have an opportunity to bring the gospel, like you said, to the ends of the earth. I mean, it's amazing how a church this size is affecting the world. You know, we are reaching a city and the nation's coming out of of, of a small church here in Pittsburgh. God is doing something wonderful. And I know the enemy puts a lot of fear immediately when you think of traveling anywhere. I've never been on an airplane. I don't have money. There's a lot of things that come into your mind right now. But what I encourage you is don't let the enemy put those things in your mind, because some of you, maybe your heart is bumping when you see something like that. You're thinking, I, I for a long time I've wanted to see something like, be a part of something like that, and witness the miraculous, be a part of what is happening. Well, you have an opportunity to do that. I would encourage you not let the enemy. We will be having a vision meeting. We will be scheduling that soon, within the next couple weeks. So anybody that is interested, or even generally interested, uh, can come to the vision meeting, learn more about it, and uh, learn the vision of SOS and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, thank you, Dylan. Uh, That's that's really it. I mean, we just wanted to tell you that our church is going to be intentional about reaching The unreached people. We're going to serve our city, but we also have a call to participate around the world. And this is an opportunity for us to do that. Our Greece trip is an opportunity to do that. So all we're asking of you today is just pray and ask the Lord, would he have you go? Are you sensing God saying, I'd love for you to be a part of this trip? That's all it is. That's all we're asking of you today. As Dylan said, in a few weeks, we're going to have an interest meeting where you can say, I just want to learn more information about it. Uh, We'll show that video again soon and we'll be talking more about it. But I just wanted to bring Dylan up. Thank you so much, Dylan. Um, so so we talked about the opportunities that are in front of us. We have an opportunity to impact with the gospel our, our community, our city, the East End that God has planted us in. We have an opportunity to be a refuge, a hospital, to be a place where people can say, I don't know what I think, but I, I love what I'm finding here. I love the relationships here. I love the, I love the sense that God is present here. I love that you believe that, that God is everywhere and you can encounter him in real everyday life. I've never heard that before. We want this to be that kind of a place. And then we have an opportunity for us to be a launch pad to send people who would never have thought otherwise to go even outside. I have met more people in Pittsburgh because I've never been outside of Pittsburgh. And now some of those people are going to Africa or going to Greece or going to other places that God is sending our church to to say the name of Jesus and bring the name of Jesus to people who need it the most. And so we're going to do those things. So now you might be asking yourself, what is it going to take then for us to seize the opportunities ahead of us. Like, you're like, that sounds great, Pastor Jared. I love that we want to reach our city and we want to reach the world. What is it going to take? How are we going to do it? Well, I thought of three things, what it will take for us as a church. Number one, it's going to take faith. It takes faith for us to be in this Building alone took faith. God, is this the right place? We've been in Lawrenceville for for three years, and we I moved there five years ago. God, I, I did I hear you right? Did I hear you correctly? That you've called us to expand our vision beyond just Lawrenceville. It takes faith to believe when you hear God speak. It takes faith for us to believe that this tiny little engine that could church can reach the world. It takes faith for us to believe that sixty or seventy people can can change the hearts of people who are hurting and broken in the city around us. It It takes faith for us to hear God. We have to say, yes, God, right? It takes faith for us as a church, as a body. And I'm not just talking about Pastor Jared has faith. I mean, every one of you sitting in a pew right now is saying, I believe, Pastor Jared. I see what you're saying. I hear God speak. I sense it in my heart right now. It takes faith to say, respond, yes. I believe that God wants to, and I believe that God can, and I believe that God will if I will participate. And it believe, faith means putting God and his, his mission first. I believe that, that as a church, for us to seize the opportunities that are in front of us, that every one of us has to stand up and say, I'm in. I'm in. I will sacrifice my time. I will sacrifice money. I will sacrifice my, my sleep at time. I don't know. Whatever it is. I mean, the fact that you're here this morning means you're spending time doing something other than something else, right? That's all I'm saying is that the faith that it requires is for us to say yes to what Jesus has called us to. The second thing that I believe that it will take for us to seize the opportunities before us is it takes unity. We have to be one body. We have to be one family but made up of different people and backgrounds. We have to put aside our differences. We have to put aside our opinions. We have to say, I believe in the vision of Encounter Church. I believe in the vision of this house that God has given. I believe in the Great Commission, that when Jesus said to go into all the world and to make disciples, that that includes you and I. Unified. That when we make decisions that we're all in as a team, that we are one body, that when we see people who are different than us, as I mentioned, people who come from different races, people who come from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different political statements, even different walks of faith or different Christian traditions. We have people in our church who come from Methodist or from Presbyterian or from Charismatic or Pentecostal or Baptist backgrounds, and I love that we can all worship together in one house as one body. I love that. I love that. But it has to continue. If we're going to reach the neighborhoods that I mentioned earlier, we have to be a church that is unified. We have to be a body that is welcoming of every person who walks in the door and immediately calling them to come in and join our family, inviting them to eat with us, inviting them to come to our houses, joining our life groups. When we serve, just because someone looks differently or acts differently than us, we will never look at them differently. We will treat them, and maybe it's the first time in their life Maybe somebody who has a physical deformity or they talk a different way and maybe for the first time in their life someone is nice to them if they come to our church. I don't know. We have an opportunity, but it will only happen if we are unified in understanding that we have to be the church. And that's what I love about the gospel is that it's not about a people group. It's not about a nation. It's not about a king. It's about a people who come from all different backgrounds who all unite in the kingdom of God because we love Jesus. And because he loves us, we have to be unified. We are all united under Christ. So what will it take to seize the opportunities before us? One, it takes faith. We have to believe that God wants to and can and will if we participate. We have to believe. We have to take the opportunity of unity. We have to be unified. And lastly, action. It takes action. We have to be active and willing participants and not be spectators. If we're going to see God reach people, if we want to see more people in our chair in these pews, if we want to see this place overflowing with people, if we want to see the broken and the hurting and the drug addicted and the homeless off the streets, it takes action. It takes every one of us. Every one of us need to stand up and say, "Yes, I am a part of this mission. I will serve at our outreaches. I will serve on the dream team. I will go on missions trips. I will give of my finances. I will worship with everything I have in me. I will bring my friends to church. I will talk about the church. I will do whatever." Whatever is necessary. I will listen to God. I will spend time with him. I will pray. I will worship in my daily life so I can grow closer to Jesus. We will be the church, the body of Christ, who is, has a purpose of reaching our city and growing closer to him. But it takes action. None of us can sit on the bench. And I think about those three guys that Jesus said, come with me, follow me. I've got something awesome for you. And they're like, yeah, I'd love to, but I'm a little busy right now. I've got these things that are going on. And Jesus challenged them and said, don't procrastinate. What I have for you is greater than anything you could ever have on your own. It takes action. So the big idea of today, the big idea of today that pulls it all together is this. God gives an opportunity, but we must reach out and take it. I mean, I think that's what the scriptures have taught us, that that there are opportunities everywhere. I mean, in your own job. If you see a job posting, it's an opportunity for you. But unless you take to take the opportunity to actually sign up or apply or submit your resume, you will not get that job. The same thing is true for us in our faith. God has put so many things out there on a personal level for us. You want to grow in your faith, you have to take the opportunity to read God's Word, to join a life group and spend time every week living and eating and spending time with and learning and discussing about Jesus with people. If you want friends, you want a deeper relationship with people and with God, spend time with other Christians. Those are opportunities we put before you. Sunday morning, we're here all the time. Come to church regularly. Hear God's word. Join a life group. Get involved with people. Come to lunch with us after church. Come to food day. We're giving you opportunities to serve. We have teams, our kids ministry and our worship team and our, and our cafe team, our guest services and, and, and our street outreach team and our media team and all of these different opportunities for you to get involved. Join if you want to become useful. You want to become purposeful. Join, be a part of something. The opportunity is there for you, but you have to stand up. You have to say, I'll do that. You know what I mean? Like we have to be active participants if we want those things. I have told, I have heard so many people come over the years and have come in and they say, you know, I just, I just feel like my faith is stale. I feel like my faith is dry. And I say, are you, are you spending time with God? When was the last time you got alone and worshiped God? When was the last time you went to a life group? When's the last time you read your Bible? And I don't, I don't say it in a mean way. I'm just kind of speeding it up. Right. And the answer often is I don't really read my Bible often I don't listen to worship music or participate in worship. And when I come to church, I kind of just stand there and the words don't do anything to me. Like I hear that and I say it's because you're not participating. I hear people who say, I've been a Christian all my life and I don't I don't feel like I have much purpose. I don't know what I'm doing. I say, are you serving on a team? Are you are you are you actively involved and you go, no, not really, I'm busy. And I said, well, that's why. You're not participating in the mission that God has for you. You will feel purposeful. When you join the mission, when you say yes. Yes, it takes time. Yes, there are days when we serve and we are tired. Like today is one of those days because it's a brand new facility, right? We just got here and we worked our butts off to make it ready. And we did that. But you know what? At the end of the day, we're not going, I hated that I did that. No, we feel wonderful, purposeful, because we did something that matters. And we know that our God is pleased. I'm just speaking from my heart here. We have to be people who will say yes to the mission of God. Yes, And there is no feeling greater than the one of feeling like you have done something where your Father in heaven looks down on you and smiles and says, yes, you get it. You did it. That peace and that that joy that fills your spirit because you are a partner with the living God is something that you can't get anywhere, anywhere at all. God gives the opportunity, but we must reach out and take it. Would you stand with me as we close and pray? And we're going to move into our response time. Just close our eyes and we'll pray together. I ask that you would symbolically open your heart, just maybe a picture in your mind, just kind of opening a door. It's just, it's just a symbol of you just saying, you know what, I wanna, I wanna open my heart to hear what God would say to me. Father, thank you so much for this building. Thank you for this place. Thank you that you opened the doors here in this beautiful school. This, this private school that already has a chapel built in, that already reaches this city and the community, thank you that they are a faith-based place that is welcoming of a church. Thank you that you have put us in the middle of seven neighborhoods and so many others that are surrounding it to reach this city, that when you speak something nine months ago, ten months ago, that you have fulfilled it today. I thank you for every person who's in here. And right now, I ask that you would speak to every one of our hearts. You would challenge us. I believe that right now, God is saying, will you participate? Will you be a part of what I want to do? I want to partner with you. I want to use you to reach this city and to reach the world. I want to give you purpose. I want to fill you with joy and with peace and with life. And he's asking each of us, will you join me? so, Father, as we move into our response time, I pray that each one of us would hear from you, we would worship you, and we would sense your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.